Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. So I've been getting really into this book about self-discovery. Oh, what's it called? Discovering Oneself, A Guide to Selfism. Oh, uh, who, who's it by? I'm not sure of their name, really, but they're a huge influencer on TikTok. Their handle is Dr. Discovery. Oh, so they're a doctor. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, you know, not like in an MD sort of way, but they have like a million followers, so pretty much a doctor. But they don't have a degree? Anyway, th- this book really helps you discover your potential. You start with this intense cleanse where all you do is drink Red Bull for like five days. Well, well, that'll definitely do something to your body. Yeah, it's like seeking your higher self. Then you enroll in these private classes where only people who are ready to ascend are able to attend. And get this, only 900 bucks. $900? Isn't it worth it knowing that you will know you, the real you? Have you ever seen the show I Escaped a Cult? No. It's episode 72. Pop psychology is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall. The whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? When do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. I am committed to that there is something about which human beings are unaware, the awareness of which would transform life for human beings. Welcome to episode 72 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Maddie. And today, if you have never joined us before, this is the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and or in the movies. And today we're tackling a subject that probably everyone has encountered at some point in their lives, whether it's through self-help books or the minions of Oprah. It's time to talk about pop psychology. Maddie, uh, before we get into our main event today, why don't you take us to a little familiar place called the Terrifying corner oh boy is it scary right now too also listeners look you're gonna hear my voice do some weird things today because i am not feeling the greatest but i love you so much that i'm doing this for you how about that now am i a saint or what no but for real you might hear me cough here and there um certified terrifying corner um look i kept it andrew at one item right now because i think there's only one thing we're all thinking about so i think that's fine (laughs) right right and i and i think you know it's on everyone's mind we're we're recording this on the 6th of march and it will actually come out on the same day um so it's i think it's day 10 of the uh the russian war on ukraine um and it's really bad uh you know it's it's uh it just uh, look, you have to be living under a rock if you don't know what the fuck is going on. But if you don't know, 
Um, basically, Russia invaded Ukraine 10 days ago. Um, it, it was really interesting in the lead up to this on social media. Like if you like looked at different pundits from around kind of all over the spectrum, like no one actually believed that this was going to happen. Yeah. Ex- except for like Joe Biden. Like he was actually the only one who was like, look, this is actually going to happen. And, um, and look where we are. <laughs> and now there's like people dying and there's this happening. There's a, and like, look, you know, there's stuff around the world happening all the time. This is not the the only thing happening when it comes to like a country being shitty to its citizens or somebody else going into another country and bombing people or whatever. Frankly, America does it pretty often. Um, but this is the first, you know, European war in, I mean, really in like 80 years, if you think about it since world war two, because the last real thing that happened was Serbia and Croatia and they weren't even in the EU yet. So, I mean, there, there's an awful lot going on. Um, it is definitely kind of strange to be in Europe at the time of this because people here just think so differently about everything. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. And like, I mean, look, I'm as far away as you can get in Europe. Like literally I'm as far away as you can get unless I was in Galway. Um, but, you know, P- P- Ireland is a neutral country with pretty much everything, um, except when it comes to England. And that makes sense. Or um, potatoes. Or, or potatoes. <laughs> uh, we are we are very pro-potato. Um, but when it comes to this, it's, it's a very non-interventionist thing. Although Ireland will be one of the countries that takes in a lot of, of refugees when, when it's the time for that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it it really sucks. You know, I, there, there was a, a good tweet I saw recently about, you know, people of our generation and it's like, we became adults, 9 11 happened. Um, we were still in college and then the recession happened and then this war happened and then this thing happened and now this thing is happening. And it's like, we're never going to get a break, you know? Well, I mean, if you think about human history, at least, you know, 1900 on, every generation has had that. Uh, and it just shows that we never learn from our mistakes. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's, that's a, like, that's the ultimate sad thing. Like when I think about what's going on and I think about, you know, I just, I, I didn't put in my, what you've been watching, but I just watched, um, the Kingsman, uh, the newest one. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it kind of takes place over the establishment of world war one. Like that's oh, like how cool. it, it. It, it goes into it. But, I started seeing things that I was like, oh, this is how wars start. Yeah, this yeah. is how. And you start to think about what has been going on in the world with us and with right. everything going on. You see the parallels and you're like, wow, we just we just never learn. Like yeah. We literally just we, it, it only takes one crazy guy to really influence an entire war, which is insane yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, I, I but, totally agree with you. I I, um, I think I think this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And yeah, uh, I know I totally agree. I, I and the thing about it is the, the thing that really um, grinds my gears, if you will, uh, the thing that butters your corn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is that this was an un well? It depends on who you talk to. It was an unprovoked war. Um, yeah. There are a lot of pundits that I've heard on various, uh, mostly NPR is what we've subscribed to these days, that uh, are talking about it from a different way, that they're saying that, you know, the Western world took Ukraine from us, and all we're doing is taking back what's ours, and there's this whole other part of it that is talking about Nazis, and it's it's so insane you know, that so I don't I, even know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about, about two of those points, right? Is um, the, like if, if I'm being like I I I I don't watch any American news over here because honestly it's just not available. I do read New York Times on a regular basis, 
So I watch mostly Sky News here, which I take with a grain of salt, right? I mean, it's you know, based sure. in England. It's going to be whatever it is. There and, and look, folks, we're not going to talk about this very long, so just stick with us for a minute. Um, there, there is some really interesting stuff though about like if you look at the um, the all the the I don't know even know what to call them right now because my head is crazy, but like. If you look at all the really smart people with foreign policy, right, all the people who have studied this region for a very long time, who know what's going on, who were diplomats there, who were this, who were that, who were whatever, this has been warned about for a very long time. And yeah, no one, I'm actually surprised this didn't happen in the 90s, yeah, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And no one and everyone, like I said before, everyone was just like, eh, it's not going to happen. NATO should do whatever it wants and America should do whatever it wants. And like, that's the thing. Like, look, Vladimir Putin is a dick. He is a he's an imperialist. He's not a communist people. He's actually a capitalist. Like, look, look at the amount of things that he owns that are ridiculously bigger than any of his people. Um, he, he's an asshole and what he's doing is absolutely entirely wrong, but like, it's not like it just happened out of nowhere one day, like right, things, yeah, yeah. things actually like have, have a, 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 a provenance in how they come to be. And I think that everyone's just kind of forgetting that. And, you know, like, look, it is what it is. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not saying you that at all, but I'm just saying like the general zeitgeist, everyone's just like, Oh, this just happened. Like, it's crazy. No, it didn't. It's been going on for fucking ever. It's it's like Serbia and Croatia. They, these people have been fighting for fucking years. Everyone, look up the Soviet Union. That's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. So yeah, I, I do think, though, there are some scary times ahead. Look, there are, you know, I was listening to something last week, like, it's not going to be like a nuclear bomb like we think, like Hiroshima, right? It's going to be more like tactical nuclear weapons that are smaller, but that cause extreme damage, of course. And like, look... I, I don't know how much longer this can go on and the West is going to be like, eh, we're not going to do anything but do some sanctions that he doesn't care about. So uh, the days either are way, coming, man. I don't know. It's going to be either scary. Way, I don't think anyone should have to die for this at all, which is my overall taking on this. I don't, I don't understand. I, I will never understand war. I will never understand this insane uh, need for power and 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 yep. place. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe I'm a snowflake liberal. I don't care. I just I I it, it is so hard for me to understand the need to kill other people. You know. You know. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what's so funny is all you know. We may be snowflake liberals. I, I guess I'm a snowflake leftist. But um, where are all those hard ass uh, Republicans? Where where are they now? Remember when when their leader just loved Vladimir Putin so much? Mm -hmm. Remember that? Remember all those things? They're too busy Ooh. passing anti-trans laws and pa yeah. passing the anti-gay, don't say gay law. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Anyways, that is the only thing that we have for our terrifying corner. I'm sure people understand why. Rightly so. so. Exactly. So moving on to the show, um, Andrew, you brought it up perfectly um, earlier on. Um, pop psychology comes in a number of different forms. Um, and, you know, look, I think we're all purveyors of it in one way or another. Is is there any pop psychology that you're into, do you think? I mean, I definitely think that there have been um, books of, of feature that I've read probably in some of my more formative years that have, yeah. have uh, influenced the way I think. Um, there's definitely some weird... And I think you fall into this too. As we kind of get more into our professional lives, uh, there's some more like managerial type oh, sure. uh, books that are out there that are kind of 
you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. This is, and I think that that's something that is going to purvey this entire episode about pop psychology is that everything you got to look at the source and you got to look at the person that's putting it out there uh, and make sure that it's good for you. Um, Because I do think that there is some pop psychology out there that is helpful. Uh, It depends on when it comes into your life and it depends on how it affects you. Um, But I don't think that you should take it that it's your life now. (laughs) Basically. I I, I totally agree with you. You know, thinking about like the professional world, like, there's a great pop psychology book that I swear by. It's called The Making of a Manager by Julie Zhou. And, you know, it's it's about she was a, a, a project manager or a product manager. God, I forget which one. Anyways, at, at yeah, Facebook. same thing. Honestly, well, oh, don't listen. Don't tell them that. <laughs> Do not tell them that they will kill you. Um, she was a, a product manager at uh, at Facebook. And she wrote a she wrote what what I think is a really great book about management, and it's just wonderful. It's taught me a lot because I'm I'm a new leader in a in a tech in the tech industry, and it's you know it's neat. Um, uh, you know that one's been really positive for me. But then yeah. like I, you know there are there are plenty others like let's you know look we've already we've talked about diets I feel like ad nauseum, but in a sense diets are you know fad diets are kind of pop psychology too in a way yeah for sure yeah, tricking yeah, yeah. your mind like think about like um. And look, it's helped a lot of people, but think about like Noom, for example, you know what I mean? Or, or things like that that you pay. Listen, it ain't free. You know what I mean? This stuff costs money. Um, so I think you're right. It can be helpful. It can also be harmful. Destructive. And yeah. And we're going to talk about both those sides today. So I just want to bring us into a little bit further on, on what it is that we're talking about. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that it's it's sort of like never before, you know, like taking care of our mental health, our physical health. It's just, you know, look, we're, we're coming out of a pandemic. We're, we're still in a pandemic. Um, it's killed millions of people. And I, I think we kind of forget about that a lot. Um, and I say that because, you know, the rest of us that have survived it, either you got it or or you haven't got it or you are yet to get it. And you survived a disease that has killed many other people um, who were, in many ways, just like you. Um, I think a lot of us are left with new questions about you know, our lives and about where we're headed, about what we're doing. You know, is this the job that I want? Am I, is my relationship healthy? Should I stay in it? Am I getting what I deserve? Am I, am, am I living the right life? And if not, on, on any of those, well, how do I do it? How do I get there? You know, what, how do I get what I want how do I get to be where I want? How do I get to be who I want to be? How do I get um, how do I get these things? And and how how do I do it? Um, and I think that in this vacuum, just like so many other points in history, it's a really easy entry point for pop psychology for the yeah. self help for the self help industry for and someone to tell you how to feel without a doubt. And you know, it's just a, it's 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 a it's a number of of easy ways that you can do it. You can buy a, a a little paperback. You can buy a bottle of pills that do, you know, X Y or Z. You can get that exercise machine. You can attend, you know, some some seminar at, at a hotel or at a or at a retreat or whatever. Um and at any of those and any of those media, you're going to get the answers that you're looking for or so you, you know, so so you hope. You're going to get that path towards wellness that you've really been seeking. And there is so much money on the line with this. And I, I actually didn't really realize how much there was. So market data that does, of course, you know, market, market research, as their name suggests, um, they found in 2019, this industry was worth $11.6 billion. And it, it contracted in 2020, as like every other industry did, to about $10.5 billion. So not that big of a drop, but a drop nonetheless. 
Uh, 7.7% rebound in 2021 to 11.3 billion. So up, down, up. And it's not surprising. For, right. <laughs> of course. And it's forecasted a 6% annual growth. So it's going to be 14 billion. $14 billion. That's a lot of fucking money. This is just America in 2025. So in just two and a half years, really, if you think about it, $14 billion in this industry. And that's just you know a simple look at it. Let, let's go a little bit further. When we're thinking about live events and seminars, so think about like the Tony Robbins kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, 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 the business, the business is, is hurting, of course, because of live events are just, it's no one knows what's going on yet. Uh, well, it plummeted I can last tell you year. right now, they're they're back. <laughs> yeah, sure. It plummeted last year. Um, so it, it fell by about 24% in 2020 to $208 million. But you know it's going to bounce right back. And it's going to bounce back well higher than that. Um, when it comes to motivational speakers, um, there's, there's about 5,000 uh, motivational speakers in the U.S., market data estimated. Um, and they take in about $1.6 billion per year. Um, there's a top 17 of them that they think are elites. They bring in 296 million. So, you know, about 25% of that, essentially. And that's not even counting uh, Instagram influencers. No. And yeah. like, because the, the, they, in their own right, are sometimes seen as motivational speakers. Oh I and, mean, who, and who gave that motherfucker the right to speak about anything? You know what I'm talking I know, about? I know. Shit. I know. Um, and so if, if when, when they looked even further into the data, um, uh, they, they, they had empty schedules and of course everything dropped down last year. That's going to be the common theme here, but they, they pivoted to virtual events. They still made a bunch of money on it. And you know, once again, just with this, it's going to bounce back personal coaching, uh, in 2019, it was worth about $1.29 billion personal coaching. That's not a therapist. I just want to point that out. Uh, demand for audiobooks. Um, now, this is one that has gone up. Self-improvement audiobooks market grew strongly last year. This is 2021. Up an estimated 20% to $541 million. That is yeah, huge. Yeah. That um, makes and it sense. Makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense, of course. Um, thinking about weight loss programs. Uh, commercial ones, so, so we're thinking about Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, um, Metafast, which I haven't heard of before, but there, there's one. It's so funny um, as you list those. I'm like, yeah, I've tried that one. Yep, tried yep, that one. Yep, tried uh-huh, that yep. <laughs> uh, Rose 6.8% in 2020. So in 2020, that that part of the industry did go up. And that part of the industry alone is $4.07 billion. And that actually seems low to me. Um, and then we've got holistic institutes. There are 16 major institutes in the U.S., um, of course, devastated by the pandemic. Those things are really, really expensive. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how that uh, bounces back. Now, so is is that when you say holistic institute, is that considered like where you go to a place and you spend time there, like it, like you 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 live there for a little while? Exactly. Yeah. So it would be in person okay. workshops, seminars, and retreats. Got it. Yeah. So that's just a little dip in the money. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting because that that's a lot of fucking money. That, that's why oh, it's yeah. interesting. That is a huge part of the American economy. It is a if, if, if that part of the American economy bottomed out suddenly, the economy would suffer from it. There's a need for it in the economy. And I say need with, you know, quotes right now because it helps keep the country going, I guess. I don't know. Um, but there's so much money being spent looking for answers. It, it's it's almost like. Does anyone even remember what the questions are? I mean, sure, what are yeah. you actually looking for? And this is where Americans, it, and this is all my opinion now, but um, you know, everything is. 
this is where Americans start to fall really easily into stuff like magical thinking, into stuff like prosperity gospel, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Manifesting. Um, manifesting. Uh, get, get, just tell the universe. If you believe it hard enough, if you tell it to the universe strongly enough, if you're positive enough, then one day that thing that you really, really desire, it's going to be yours. In fact, it's already there. Like, and and that that's one of the beliefs with this that it's actually it actually already exists for you, it's already with you. You just have to claim it. I mean, think about it. I mean, from from very ancient Egypt, we're taught about wishing and praying, and mm. if you just put enough energy behind it, yep. it will come to you in good time. You yeah. just have to wish for it hard enough. You just have to pray for it hard enough. Yep. And it's uh, it's it's a it's a weird way of living, but a lot of people do it, and a lot of people live that way. Oh and, yeah! Um, I mean, the more power to you if that if you think that that's uh, the way to do it. I will say though, there is something about just getting up and actually trying to get it done, <laughs> rather than thinking about it. Uh, yeah, look, just me. <laughs> there, there's uh, there, this this mode of thinking has has truly like clocked people in the head. Yeah, and I, I mean, agree. look, there, there are there, there's a person that I know who literally thought that she was destined to have a husband, destined to have one in the next year, and she mm-hmm. just had to believe it, just had to believe it, and be positive enough, and it was going to happen. And let me tell you, let her down some dark roads. Now, it would be great if any of this stuff actually like brought about some better results. And what kind of results might we be thinking about here? Think about happiness. Right, mm-hmm, yeah. and you can you can quantify happiness in a number of ways, and there actually is, believe it or not, something called the World Happiness Report, which I did not know until. <laughs> can I work there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, right? I, I, I wonder how happy it is there. Um, the World Happiness Report. Um, uh, we're not happy. Look, uh, America's at number nineteen. We're between the Czech Republic and Belgium, the number one country. Do you know what it is, Andrew? Probably something in the uh, Norwegian area, is that? You are correct. It is Finland, um, yeah. which actually shares a border with Russia. Go figure. Um, they're so, always fucking happy up in like Sweden and Norway. And oh, stuff. they're all happy. Yeah, they're all happy. They're also all little, you know, it's, it's, it's not like they're perfect up there. Listen, uh, just watch Midsummer. You get everything you need. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but America's at number 19 between the Czech Republic and Belgium. Um, we are the country that spends the most on this industry. So you would think that we would be at the top of that. Um, but CNN reported last month that uh, with a headline, American happiness uh, has hit record lows <laughs> with a Gallup <laughs> poll indicating, and this was just, remember, last month. This is a Gallup poll from January. Well, I mean, that makes sense coming out yeah. of. <laughs> well, I mean, well, a little bit, but, but it, it goes deeper than that because that's just the thing. It's not just about one thing or another. It's happiness is a collection of things. Yeah? Sure, sure, sure. I'm so, sure it's I'm sure it's not just based on just the pandemic. I'm no, just... it's not. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, listen, it's not like a lot of Americans even had to do that much during the pandemic anyway, um, although they love to pretend that they did. Uh, the overall quality of life, 30% of Americans disappointed with it, or I should say dissatisfied. I think that was the word that they used. Uh, opportunity for a person to get ahead by working hard, 39% dissatisfied. Uh, influence of organized religion, not a surprise, 49% dissatisfied. Oh, wow. That's um, still so high. Yeah. The way income and wealth are distributed in the U.S., 70% dissatisfaction. Huge. Uh, our system of government and how well it works, 71% dissatisfaction. The size and influence of major corporations, 74 percent dissatisfaction and the moral and ethical climate 78 percent 
dissatisfaction. Can I go uh, back to one really quick? Just because yeah, I want to like it, it, it overdo something and on that. It, it, you know, when we think about the way income and wealth are distributed, and you know, it's so high that people see that they don't think that the wealth is distributed correctly. Sure. I think, and you know, come at me with this if you if you think otherwise. Shouldn't there be a way that we know the wealth of almost everybody? I don't know. It, it just seems like there's always there's this, uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses like yeah. that has been a thing since the what 40s, 50s. And all it is, is perception. Everything about it is perception. Yeah. You don't really know what people are making. It's it's this weird thing. You know, we talked about it on our fitness episode of going through to, um, Instagram and just being like, wow, these people, all they do is travel and all they do is do this yeah, stuff. Like, sure. They got to have so much money. They could be fucking broke and yeah. not and just trying to live up to an expectation. I think it's really important for people to take a second to think about what really matters? Don't think about what other people are doing. Try to do something for yourself and try to make sure you're taking care of yourself both mentally and physically. Yeah. Because if you all you do is rely on perception, going off social media, going off of what you see on TV, going off of the fucking Real Housewives or whatever you're watching, all you're going to do is be disappointed. So I just wanted to kind of harp on that one. Just no, for I, I, sorry. I think that's I don't don't be sorry. I think that's I don't know why you're apologizing. I I think that's good. And I think um, I think we'll continue to be disappointed in that realm, won't we? Um, oh, yeah, we, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, look, none of this is surprising. I think that it's an inverse relationship. You know, as Americans continue to get unhappier, um, their spending and pop psychology is going to keep going up um, because people are just looking for easy answers. And they don't I, I, there, there is a propensity in America to not wrestle with the the hard questions and with the yeah. journey that those questions take you on. But the word that you said is perfect: easy answers. Yeah, that's the problem. People, people want it all the time. They don't want to deal with the with the, with the actual question, with what it might mean in their lives and in their hearts and in their minds and in their souls. To like go like, oh, what does it actually mean that I'm lonely? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or what does it actually mean that like I'm I'm I I don't like my partner? What what is that? Oh no, I'm gonna go find something else that, that will like you know shine over that. And that that's a lot of it. Um, you know, the the one personal thing that I wanted to bring up in this is thinking about prosperity gospel, which is um basically a, a theology that if you just pray enough, you're gonna get the thing, right? Perfect. And, Love it. My favorite yeah. thing. <laughs> sure. And it and it is without a doubt part of it's it's a it's, it's a unique American phenomenon that couldn't exist without such a self-help industry and without without a, a, an audience of people who are looking for it. And, you know, like you actually even hear prosperity gospel in really simple ways sometimes. And people don't always get it because most people don't know about theology. Um, if you hear people say like, oh, I'm so blessed, that's, that's actually kind of prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. You're saying that like there's a deity that has blessed you over others. Even, right. if, you're just, even if you're just trying to be like, you're just trying to be grateful for something. You're saying I'm blessed. Just actually just say I'm grateful. It'll sound better. Trust me. Um, anyways, uh, just talking about my sister. And I've never talked about her on the show before, but I have an older sister who uh, who has some mental health issues. She's had, she's had them all her life. Um, and there was some, some point along the line in her life where she discovered evangelical Christianity 
And along with that, you know, the, the, the televangelists. So thinking about like Benny Hinn and Joel Osteen and all those, those kind of people. Um, and she got really, really, really into it. And she still is as far as I know. Um, and she gave so much money to these people. You have no idea. Yeah. And did it in so many different ways and, w- and would do it with local churches too. And, you know, this is my sister who would look, she didn't have the money to give, you know what I mean? So she got herself into a lot of financial trouble. Um, and, you know, look, she's still a fervent believer and I believe that she's a good person. I do. I, you know, I love my sister. Um, but you know, she lives in veterans housing in the middle of Arizona. I, I couldn't even tell you what city she's in for me now. Yeah. And when I think about how her life has, has, you know, ended up and, you know, look, I'm not gonna, you know, play some violin for her. Um, it's, it's her life and, and she should be proud of it in whatever way it is. Um, I just think about all those charities that she gave to charities and quotes, all those preachers that she gave money to all those people that, you know, said, Dana, give us, give us an extra 10 bucks or this or that or whatever. Where are they now? Yeah. You know, where are they yeah. now? She's and in, where did that money in, go? Yeah. She's in some, you know, cinder block apartment in, in the middle of Arizona completely by herself because she wants to be there. Um, where are you? Where, where, that, that, that's the question that I would have. And, um, you know, the, the answer is that they're, they're flying their jets and they're living in their mansions and they're, you know, eating caviar and steaks and, and they're shutting you know, down their churches when hurricanes come through right. yeah, <laughs> and they're, they're having a great time. And, um, you know, for, for Dana, she found a dark side of, of the pop psychology realm looking, looking for easy answers. Right. And she found it in televangelism. And it's sad. Yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate. That's, that's the unfortunate part is that people that have mental handicaps or that have been dealt a raw deal as far as financial well being, they're the first people that the upper echelon of these swindlers, if you will, uh, will take advantage of. And, and that's the, the deep down sad part of this pop psychology world is that they take advantage of the people that follow them. And that's uh, it, not always, but at the, in, in the deep seated dark places, that's that's what happens. And it's really totally sad. agree with you. Anyway, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about probably one of the largest um, pop psychology trends that happened in the uh, early 70s to mid 80s? Bring it on. So this was called EST. Um, it is, stands for the Earhart Seminars Training. And it's been featured in a lot of things. I seem to remember that it came up in the Americans. I seem that it came up in, um, what was that advertising agency? Love the Americans. Oh, it was in uh, Mad Men. It was in Mad Men. So this was a thing that happened. It went in its earliest state. It went from 1971 to 1984. Um, so a little over a, a decade where a man uh, by the name of Earhart, uh, he was a clinical psychologist. So in all intents and purposes, oh, this is a guy that's trained in this. We, we can we can trust him. He's he's he'll he'll do it for us. Um it was basically it, he offered a two weekend so this is a 6 day 60 hour course known as the EST standard training. Uh the seminar aimed to quote transform one's ability to experience living so that the situations one had been trying to change or had been putting up t- with clear up just in the process of life itself. Yes, break that down. Does that make any sense to anybody? <laughs> but 
Um, so basically what this was is it was a training where people would come in. Um, what I'm from what I'm being told, it and was, was this just like, was this just like a one time training or did it like you just keep going on with it? Two weekends. So, uh, basically six days. But then, um, but, there's probably like a workbook or something after. The yeah, I mean, he wrote he wrote many many books. I like, see. It, I see. Okay. It, 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 you follow this guy, but this is your indoctrination into kind of the est training. Um, so a lot of this was free. What he said was freeing oneself from from the past of what has happened to you. Um, basically, like getting rid of your burdensome behaviors. It sought to enable participants to shift the state of mind which their life were organized around um, to attempt to get satisfaction or to survive the experiences. Um, so for, you know, on the outside looking in, it doesn't look like it's all that bad. I mean, celebrities like Valerie Harper and Yoko Ono were very big into Est. Um, the, but when you start to think about what they were actually doing during these seminars, so they were not allowed to talk. They were not allowed to eat. They were not allowed to take notes. They were not allowed to do anything. And they basically had to sit there. They It was eight-hour um experiences and you got one break during that entire time and if you left you couldn't come back in and it basically was uh there was an article that was written that session leaders basically berated their attendees as assholes and they led them into kind of like group hypnosis um and that's then insane. that's absolutely and then, insane yeah it, it's a, it is and and basically like the trainees that have that this happened to they were strongly encouraged to recruit others of course um they were basically a lot of like hotel ballrooms like so think about you know we'll talk about it when we talk about the cleanse but um going to that like cd area where you're basically going to like a timeshare meeting feels like you know <laughs> um and yeah and he just preyed upon these people and just made them feel so bad about themselves that eventually they would just give into his process and this went on for a really long time and it actually evolved um i don't know if you know this but est is still around to this day it just goes by a different name no way um it is now called the forum Oh, wow. Um, that is uh, the the new kind of way that this is. I, I don't think he's alive anymore, if I'm being honest. Sure. I, I think that his, I want to say his brother took over at some point. Um, but I, I found this really interesting article from a guy named James B. Endress. Um, you can find his story on, um, I think it's slate.com. Okay. And uh, it's a harrowing look into his life in about in and about right around 1989 and how he got uh, influenced into the forum he was uh, attending a uh, cmu which is in pittsburgh and he basically got uh attracted to this because he was i don't know it was it seemed cool it seemed like something he'd be really into and if you read his story i'm not going to go too much into it just because it's i think i think that if people are interested they should just go read it because it's it's his own writing it's what he went through Uh, and i don't think i'd do it justice just kind of like reading through it um but basically what happened is he got recruited into the forum he basically he got made to feel that he was reckless and destructive to himself and to basically through regression exercises, hypnosis, and all this other stuff. And by the end of it, when he comes out of it, he's so depressed and so just devastated by this whole process that he moves to fucking Japan to get away. 
to get away from this cult. And he comes back and he goes through these exercises to deprogram himself to understand what he was going through at the time. Um, but it's just, it's such a harrowing thing for such like a normal dude that just like was going to college at the time. That's so, so crazy. God. Look up the story of James E. James B. Endress. Um, and you can read all about it, but it really just shows the destructive nature of these people that are for-profit psychology. Wow. God. But yeah, so that that was an interesting read. Um, it just It's so sad, these people that just... And he got recruited when he was 18. God, so 18. Just... Not even knowing who he was yet. Yeah. Um, but that's what I was saying earlier about, you know, preying upon people that are easy to be preyed upon. Whether exactly. that means... Like, whether that is a financial burden, a mental burden, an age burden... Even a fucking gender burden. Yeah, for uh, real. There's, there's a lot of people that just get taken advantage of in these situations, and it's all based on for-profit psychology. Get so I, want you really, I want you to really think about that the next time that you're looking for answers from somebody that is a quote-unquote guru, a Dr. Oz, a Dr. Phil, oh all God. these people, they really just want your money. Especially Dr. Oz now, who's now you know running for running for governor in whatever state that is, I forget, but he's a you know, Republican running for governor. He's a fucking freak. My God almighty. And think about all the years of influence he had on so many of people course. by being on national TV, yeah. spouting things that people said was from a doctor. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you know, look, look, Oprah's done plenty of good. She's helped people believe in themselves and she's given tons of money to you name it. Like there, there's no doubt of that, but who gave Dr. Oz a voice? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Oprah did a lot of really great things, but she also um, exploited a lot of people that she maybe didn't validate before she kind of brought them through. I'm just thinking of, I distinctly remember this, um, there was a book that she featured on Oprah's book club or whatever it was back in the, I think it was early 2000s. A Million Little Pieces. A Million Little Pieces. Yeah. And it was all about this guy who went through like um, basically was knocked down to the lowest of the low and built himself back up and now is a better person. And it was offered as a nonfiction piece and it was uh, all made up. Completely made up. All of it. Every single single one of those million little pieces was actually made up. So yeah, just make sure that if you're going to, and I I think that anyone should try to look for help for wherever they they can if they have something that they need to get help with. But like, but, just but, make sure that you're following the right yeah. people. Make sure you validate who and like, you if, are if talking you, to. Yeah, if you need mental uh, health care, you need to go to someone who is a board certified psychiatrist or or psychologist. That's who you need mm-hmm. to go to, not to a psychic. Not to yeah, not a tarot prepared. reader. Like, not as much to, as I, as much as I love the cosmics and as much as I love it's, it's the, fun, but but the it's idea fun. of it, it's just fun. not real. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's fun. It's it's not it's not what you should be making decisions on because that's uh it's it's as my friend Avery would say, it's chaotic evil. Um, that's a really good point. You should never make yeah. decisions based on those things. No, I think that, like, that that's a really it, it's fun to yeah. hear maybe like what's going to happen or sure. it's fun to hear about. Um, what may be, but you should never make decisions based yeah. on those things. If your ass making some crazy decision on a motherfucking card that got turned over on a table, baby, take some time and go go on a walk for a minute. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, go on a walk. Now, listen, Andrew, that does it for our horror in real life. We have tortured these people enough. Why don't we take a break? 
Uh, I'm going to get some water and we'll come back with what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back to a very fun segment on this show, which we call What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, you pop psychology bitch <laughs> you, you psychology person um so uh this is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been watching recently and andrew is going to start us off go ahead andrew yeah um i just gotta say hulu has really been stepping up their game on their movie situation so a couple of mine are from of hulu which i'm so sorry that you you, you can't watch I know. um but uh the first one is called meander uh, Meander is all about a woman that has suffered a recent loss. I don't want to spoil anything because it's kind of it's 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 the movie. <laughs> so um, sure. she's going through a hard time, and uh, we meet her at kind of her wit's end. Um, and one day she wakes up and she's in a fucking maze, and oh, wow. it's kind of if anybody if I had to attribute it to any sort of like a movie that I've seen before, it's kind of. Uh, a little bit of Cube. I don't know if you've ever seen Cube yeah, before. Yeah, I remember Cube. Uh, a little bit of Cube, a little bit of Saw, but not as tortury as Saw. Um, but it's all about her willingness to live. And if she can get out of the maze, she will live. Um, and whether she's able to muster up the strength to kind of get out of this situation. Um, this completely took me out of left field. I had no idea what I was going into. Uh, Hulu's been doing this kind of like movie of the week every Friday. We've been checking them out. And this was one that really stood out to me as a focus on grief and a focus on some other really heavy stuff that I was not expecting in kind wow. of this, like uh, it looked just like a torture movie when I, when I watched the trailer, but sure. uh, it's much deeper than that. So if you have a Hulu and you have the means to watch it, I would definitely recommend meander. Awesome. Um, on my side, I had the chance to be, to get a little press pass for some movies in the Dublin international film festival. Now, unfortunately I couldn't go to them in person because I was sick. However, I did get a chance to do some virtual screeners and I promised I would talk about them. Um, and the first one that I watched uh, was, it's called You Are Not My Mother um, from Kate Dolan. Uh, it is an Irish film uh, filmed not too far outside of Dublin. Um, you Are Not My Mother is, uh, it's a creature film um, and I won't give away too much here, but it's essentially a bit of a changeling story. Um, oh, okay. It's really well done. Highly recommend it. I've never seen anything from Kate Dolan before. Um, <clears throat> from what I know about her as a director, um, she's she's pretty into, of course, the Dublin scene here. I believe she's a queer director. Um, uh, and uh, the the movie was was really well done. And I think this is one of her early early features. Um, the the writing is really good. The, all the actors are are really really good at what they're doing, um, especially the the the, the bits that oh, I just wish I, I can't really give it away. Just just trust me on this. It's it's a good movie. It's out in it's out in theaters now, and I believe out on streaming now as well. Uh, okay. And not just not just in Ireland, but also also in the U.S. From what I saw, so if you if you have a chance to catch "You Are Not My Mother," um, please do it because it was just really really good. Um, and also, cheers to the Dublin um, International Film Festival from Virgin Media, TM, um, because uh, they actually had some really great horror stuff. I'm sad that I couldn't go to the shorts, um, but they had they had a couple of cool horror shorts that they were doing. 
They had one out of South Africa um, that was at like 1045 on Saturday. And I was like, I'm, I can't do this or I'm, I'm going to die in the theater. And I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> you don't want to be a uh, patient zero in a no, break. No, I really <laughs> don't. The yeah, but there are some really great horror entries. And I've got one more to talk about. But before I do that, I'll let you take your next one. Yes, my next one is now available on HBO Max. Uh, It is called Antlers. It is the much-anticipated Antlers that we probably saw a preview for, what would you say, Maddie, like two years ago? A long time ago. Um, This finally came out on HBO Max. I believe it went to a limited theater run. I don't really remember. I haven't been paying that much attention to what's in the theaters, to be honest. Um, But... It was finally came on HBO Max. We decided to watch it. Um, I think this one is going to suffer from people's anticipation effect. Um, just can you cla- can been... you classify the the film? Yeah. So this is a basically uh, about uh, Felicity. Uh, what's, what's the actress's name? Um, uh, Carrie. Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. Uh, she plays a kind of down. I do love her. I do love I, her. I, I love her. I mean, you go back to our Aliens episode where we yeah, ranted sure. and raved about that movie that we watched for, for that. Um, uh, but it's about basically about her. She is kind of down on her luck. So she moves back to her hometown to live with her brother in kind of a northwest uh you know, outside of Seattle type of place, very wet, very green. And um, there's something going on in the town. She's a, uh, she's a teacher and she sees that one of her children, one of her kids kind of has bruises and um, she kind of investigates that. And it ends up being something more supernatural than what uh, we are led to believe at the beginning of the movie. Can I ask you a question? Um, is, yeah. is, the, is the time period today or when is it? Take it place? is today. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought the first half of this movie was really good. It was really creepy. Um, it plays with uh, some of the mythology of um, of, of uh, American Indians, um, oh, cool. Native awesome. Americans. Um, but unfortunately, they aren't featured that much in this. So that's really? I think, where it falls apart. Um, that's a shame. The second half where you're kind of getting the explanation of what is going on, um, we kind of get the uh, archetype of the like... Oh, this Indian's gonna this this uh, Native American's gonna tell us everything we need to know in this like five minute soliloquy, and then he's gonna be gone from the film for the rest of it. I don't know. It, it fell apart in the last half, and I, yeah, I think sure. the ultimate resolution was just not that great. Um, there are some creepy moments, but ultimately, Antlers was kind of a letdown. If that I'm being sucks. totally honest. Wow. Uh, my next one is uh, another one from the from the from the diff the Dublin International Film Festival. Um, it's called <laughs> the, I know right. It's called the Feast. Uh, the Feast is a Welsh film. Um, it is set in today's time. Um, it is entirely in Welsh, also, um, oh, no. which I am fairly sure is the first time I've ever watched any film in Welsh, let alone a horror. film. I don't even know what that would sound like if I'm being honest. Uh, Welsh is interesting. You know, it's it's in sort of the Celtic line of languages. Um, and oh, I, I guess I should say Anglo, not not really Celtic. Um, and it is it's an offshoot of of like old English, to be honest. It it sounds a little bit like Irish and a little bit like like Scots Gaelic, um, but not quite. Um, it definitely has its own flavor, like like all three of those languages do in this part of the world. Was it um, subtitled? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of oh, course. okay. Okay. And and it's also it's a beautiful language in in much the same way that like I mean look I'm I'm trying to learn even just a little bit of Irish. This motherfucker is hard to learn. It, the, the language makes no fucking sense to me. Who's never tried to do it before? Welsh is um, lyric and it's really pretty and it kind of rolls and it sort of matches the landscape. Um, and Wales is a beautiful part of the world. Um, anyways, 
this is the story of um, a little part of Wales. And um, there is a, a family that lives in this house, this beautiful, like modern house. And um, they are having a party. Not really a party. They're having a dinner, I should say that. And they have, an, they have hired a, um, like a, just like a, a waitress, basically, to come and like serve the food. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and so you meet a caterer, this, if you will. Yeah, basically. But to, but just this one person. That's all they needed for the night. And so um, this one girl comes, um, Caddy, and she joins them to do this thing, and it just sort of all unravels from there. I'm not going to give you anything else besides that because I, I just I think it'll give it away. Um, but it is a fucking awesome movie. It's really really good. It is. Very intense. Um, the suspense is crazy good. Um, it's it, it's it's inventive if for no other reason you've never seen a movie in Welsh before, most likely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, the the filmmaker, I totally forget his name right now. Lee Haven Jones might be his name. I think. Um, it's just really creative. It's, it's a bit of an art house movie, um, and they uh, the actors are just fantastic. The script, I don't know where the fuck they came up with this shit. Um, and it's it's really really good. I, I highly recommend it. I don't know what what it's on, but if you can search for the feast, I actually believe it came out. I think it really came out in 2019. But okay. with every with everything that's gone on, yeah, you know, it's you being know featured go. now. Yeah, exactly right. So um, find it because I think it's really worth it. Um, and it's you know it's fucking good. It scared the hell out of me. I can tell you that. Awesome. By the way, you're by the way you're explaining it, kind of gives me like invitation vibes. Yeah, you yeah, I mean I won't say any more than that, but I I I get that and I don't think you're too far off. Yeah. Um so my next one is also sorry, sorry again. I don't mean to keep doing this to don't you. Don't be I sorry. Really Look, apologize. it's how it is. <laughs> um it's on Hulu. It's called No Exit. Um No Exit is about a woman that is in a kind of halfway house situation uh where she is recovering from her drug addiction and she gets a call that her uh mother is in the hospital suffering from a aneurysm, I believe. And basically she can't leave, but uh, she escapes and steals a car and is on her way to Salt Lake City to see her mother when a huge snowstorm hits and shuts down the road that she's on and she's forced into a welcome center uh, where there are, I think, one, two, three, I think there are four other people that are there. And when she goes outside to uh, make a phone call, and this is not a spoiler, it's in the preview. So uh, she goes outside to try to find service to make a phone call to check on her mom. And she discovers that one of the cars belonging to one of the people in the Welcome Center has a girl uh, in it. And she's all taped up and she's basically being abducted. And the rest of the movie is figuring out who that person is and the fallout from that discovery crazy um it was really good i once again went in with no expectations i literally watched like the first I, i've been doing this thing where like i'll watch the first like 30 seconds of a preview and if it at all looks good i'll just turn off the preview because i don't yeah. want it to like to do too much uh this was one of those and we watched it there was some good twists and turns there was one specific twist that i as a modern horror guy who watches these things all the time did not see coming and so i congratulate the film for doing that and i really enjoyed it no exit on hulu he's just a modern horror guy um, <laughs> living in a modern horror world right. uh, my next one is inventing anna um it's on netflix i bet a lot of you watched it um inventing anna is the story of anna sorokin or anna delvey depending on how you knew her um it's a shonda rhimes thing um 
look, I'm not really into Shonda Rhimes stuff. Uh, Shonda Rhimes is a wonderful person, but the the way that things are things are done are usually not my style. Um, this is a it's it's a fun little romp through the life of of this insane person named Anna Sorokin. Did we cover um, her before? I, you know what? I think we did. And I, I think that you talked about her. Is this uh, the girl that uh, was the New York? Woman? Yep. The New okay. York, the New York heiress, right? I think um, that we talked about her on our imposters. episode. Yes, you right. We did actually, I totally forgot that until you said that right now. Um, but it's, it's a series. It's, it's extremely popular, of course, on Netflix. Um, it just so happens that one, I've talked about this person before, but Arian Moayed, guy I went to college with, has a very big role in it. He plays Todd. Oh, cool. Yeah, he plays Todd, the lawyer of Anna. So he's in, he's in like the entire show. Um, and to be honest, that's mostly why I watched it because I just love watching Arian do anything. Well, congratulations um, but, to him. That's yeah. Awesome. He, he, like I, I've said this before, but he's such a good guy. I say it every time, and I really mean it. He's just if uh, if I want to see anyone succeed, two people. It's Happy Anderson, who's been on the show before, and Arian. Um, <clears throat> inventing Anna. It is interesting. You know, it goes deep into the story. Um, it's obviously told from a particular point of view. Something to keep in mind. Um, yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's it's Shonda Rhimes. It's it's Shonda Rhimes. You know, does you're, it suffer you're, from the Shonda Rhimes effect? And by the Shonda Rhimes effect, I mean like the over glorification of like sex and like yeah. uh, very dramatic. And I, I guess that's kind of what I equate uh, Shonda I, Rhimes with. Yeah, I think maybe not so much that in this one. I just think like it wasn't. I don't know. It it was a. It was just very much stylistically Shonda Rhimes, and and like okay. I said, that's just that's just not me, and you know that that's just how it is. Um, I I think maybe we could have gone a little bit more in depth on a couple of things and not cared so much about a couple of ancillary characters. To be honest, okay. I think okay. I think that's a Shonda Rhimes thing that happens too much, and I'm like, I don't care about get blah, back blah, to blah. the plot. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Like we, the, I don't need honestly. I don't need 10 episodes of anything. I need three episodes of one thing. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a little bit it. But all that being said, I think it's definitely worth watching. I think that HBO is going to do their own one, I'm pretty sure, on on Anna, um, which I'm sure will be a lot darker and a lot more serious, I would imagine. Not to say that this isn't dark, because it really does explore some interesting things. It's kind of what we're talking about today. You know, look, and this isn't a spoiler, because you should know what happened. Uh, people... In the story, people either got swindled or they wanted to be swindled, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, when it came to Anna Delvey, they wanted to believe in this life. They wanted to believe in this person that they got to be friends with. And at whatever cost, they were going to make that thing be true. And so I think that's a bit of a story that maybe hasn't been told enough. And hmm. I, I got to say this version, Shonda does does kind of go into that. And I, I really respected that. So it's Inventing Anna. It's on Netflix. Give it a watch. Yeah, somehow that completely washed over me. I didn't even know that was a thing. So I'm definitely going to kind of look into this one. Sounds great. And, and if you want to know more about Anna, you can listen to our Imposters episode. I forget what number it is. I forget what number it is. It's, it's <laughs> way back there. Just look for Imposters are terrifying. Uh, my final one tonight, uh, today, is the uh, new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is on Netflix. Have you had a chance to watch this yet? Not yet. I'm going to. Um, I, I thought about watching it the other night, and I just I sat on my couch, and I said, you know what? I don't want to see people being ripped apart right now. I just don't sure. want that in my life. So I will want that. Probably not when I'm sick. Maybe like in like next week, that'll be nice. 
Yeah, so this is uh, kind of following the requel, as we're now talking, as we're now uh, saying that these things are, uh, in the style of the new Halloween, the style of the new Scream, where, or I guess not new Scream, because Scream is all sequential, but the new Halloween, where we're going yeah. back to the original and giving it a sequel to the original. Um, this is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whatever, what was that made, 1974? I think so, somewhere something around there. like that. Uh, this is 50 years later, uh, and it follows the story of these, um, so, I don't know if I'd say they're influencers because they don't really go on social media a ton in the beginning of the movie, but they are idealists, I guess I will say. Uh, they buy a, uh, ghost town in Texas and their idea is to go there and sell it to all these like-minded people and create a new town there, essentially. I mean, where, it sounds kind of cool, I'm being honest. I mean, it, it's it's there, like, thinking, like, hey, we want to be surrounded by people that are like-minded like us. I mean, it's not, it, they even say it in the movie, it's kind of a cult, but not really, I don't know. It's like-minded people trying to live in, in uh, harmony, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay. Uh, and they stumble upon... Leatherface. I don't want to say how they get to that point because it's a big part it. of the movie. Um, and he ends up uh, wreaking havoc on the people that are there in in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, that's how it happens. I don't know, watch any of the movies. Yeah, that's just what yeah. happens. Um, this has caused a social media firestorm within our uh, little realm of of horror Twitter and horror. Of course, of course uh, it has. Uh, it's either the worst movie you've ever seen or the best movie you've ever seen or whatever. Um, I, I don't have a hard um, stake in the ground when it comes to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Neither do I. Um, I've seen it. I, I mean, I think it's a fine movie. It's it's a classic, of course. I'm sure we'll cover it at some point in, in this in this podcast. Uh, but um, I don't have any like uh, nostalgia for it or any of the sequels. I've seen most of the sequels. They're kind of shitty, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, some of the more modern ones maybe are a little better just because they're more modern. Um, I loved this movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought it was inventive. The kills were great. Um, it, it, it I don't know. It, it hit the right note for me. Um, they bring back the original, uh, Sally from the, uh, 1970, I think it's 1974 probably. Okay. Uh, I'll hear it if I got that wrong, but, um, they bring her back and it's kind of a Jamie Lee Curtis situation where she's been waiting for revenge on Leatherface. Uh, I don't know. There's definitely parts that are a little more uh, cheesy, a little more um, maybe not in good taste when it comes to comparing it to the original. But I don't I don't know. I just don't have any like of the the horror cred when it comes to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So when I was watching, I feel much the same way. Yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. I I think you'll actually have a lot of fun with it, too. I hope so. Um, There are a lot of shocking moments. Uh, and I think that you will actually probably like it if you go into it just thinking it's a fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. movie crowd. For God's sakes, everyone relax. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of where I am. Like, I mean, I, I respect it. Like, I respect I respect all the franchises, even if I don't like them. But like, oh, just, for sure. like yeah, yeah. just like you, I've never it just that was never one that like got me. And also when I was a kid, my brother told me that Leatherface was real and was in our hometown. And so I oh, never perfect. wanted to watch it. So. <laughs> Michael, even though it's you're, called Texas Chainsaw. Yep. Well, listen, I was a kid, and Michael, <laughs> I know you're listening right now. You remember doing that to me. I know that you do. Um, anyways, um, 
Yeah, okay. I will watch that this week. I promise I will. Um, my final one, and honestly, Andrew, I can't remember if I talked about this one or not, and I was too tired to look at our old notes. It doesn't, but it doesn't sound familiar I don't to think me. I did. Um, but it's The Gilded Age. And you can watch The Gilded Age in the States on HBO, um, and we watch it here on Now. Uh, the Gilded Age is from Julian Fellows, who is of the fame of Downton Abbey, which you know I love. Oh, so, no. I know. you, if Andrew, never watch this. You will hate it. Mike, <laughs> Michael will probably like it, but you would absolutely despise. You would despise this. Um, but here's what it is. The Gilded Age is basically Downton Abbey, but in New York in the late 19th century. So the Civil War is done. It is the Gilded Age of New York society. Um, and that's basically it. It's it's old money and new money coming together. So the old money from from the revolution and you know all the families that sort of brought New York to what it was are facing up against the new money of you know the 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 new like railroad tycoons basically that just suddenly made all this money and were suddenly trying to be a part of society. And it's just sort of like the battle between old money and new money. And of course, upstairs and downstairs. And of course, white people and black people. And of course, this and that. So it's like, look, if you're if you're into that sort of soap opera um, uh, bit that that is extremely, um, what's what I'm looking for, uh, period piece, you're going to love Gilded Age. The thing about Gilded Age that is awesome, besides all the stuff that I love about it, is that it has amazing actors and actresses in it. Um, Christine Baranski is one of the main characters in it, and she fucking rocks. Cynthia Nixon plays her sister, and she's fucking amazing. N- you know, I Nate- believe them as sisters if I'm yeah, like, right? looking at them. Yeah, right? Totally. And I mean, truly, like this is maybe Christine Baranski's best thing I've ever I've ever seen her do before. She is fucking incredible in this role. Yeah, and Nathan- she's, she's been locked in CBS for so long. Yeah, that, uh... like, thank God we got her out of that shit, you know? Um, Nathan Lane was, was in the last two episodes. Mm, well. so, so, I mean, like, look, there's, there's a lot of, of really good folks in this. And there's also, um, oh, Tysa Farmiga is in it too. And like, there, there's more coming. It's going to be that kind of show where like, they're going to have like, you know, some more, st- oh, Audra McDonald's in it for God's sake. There's going to be more people that just kind of show up as it goes. So, so is it, it's still running right now. Oh like, yeah. It yeah, has, yeah. It hasn't I, finished yet. I okay. think there's, that's probably a 10 episode or I'm not sure how it works, but, um, at least I think it's still running in the States. I don't know if you guys have it all at one time or not, but I doubt it. Anyways, Gilded Age on HBO or on Now. I, I like it. Some of you will definitely not. Listen, I'm going to explain myself really quick about Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane was very rude to me in a gay bar when I was in my formative oh, years. I've God, never I forgiven him. So. I totally forgot about that until now. Yeah. He's very rude to me, and I didn't even ask him for anything. That is so. not a... yeah. That's, yeah Whatever. That Nathan happens. Lane, you can send your formal apology to FridayThe13th.com. Thank you. Now, folks, that is what you've been watching, bitch. Andrew brought us Meander on Hulu, Antlers on HBO Max, No Exit on Hulu, and the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. And Maddie brought us from the Dublin International Film Festival, You Are Not My Mother and The Feast, Inventing Anna on Netflix, and The Gilded Age uh, in the States on HBO Max and in other places on a random platform I've never heard of called Now. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all over the place here. Um, anyways, folks, we're going to come back in a moment with our first movie of the episode, and it is called Wishmaster. For centuries, he has remained hidden, watching, waiting, and 
He is coming. He knows your secret hopes. He sees your private dreams. And he can grant your every desire. Well, I'm not a <laughs> greedy man. How about a million dollars? I remember a certain potentate whose last party was talked about for centuries. Oh, God, how I'd love to host a party like that. I wish to be beautiful forever. Even if it kills you. As you wish. Was it worth it? Would you like to escape? Yeah. No! Beg for your life. Help me! Pray for your soul. But whatever you do... Ready to play? Don't make a wish. <laughs> wish master. Careful what you wish for. We are back with our first film. I had to think of the word for a minute uh, of the episode, uh, and it's called Wishmaster. Andrew, I've got a wish, and it's for you to tell me what this film's about. Be careful what you wish for. The Jin, having been released from his ancient prison, seeks to capture the soul of the woman who discovered him, thereby opening a portal and freeing his fellow Jin to take over the earth this is directed by robert kurtzman it is written by peter atkins the production company was image organization distribution was handled by live film and media works beaumont is played by robert england johnny valentine is played by tony todd merits guard is played by kane hotter yes you're hearing all of these names correctly. Yep. uh alex is played by T tammy loren wendy is played by jenny o'hara the jinn is played by andrew divoff and josh is played by tony crane this is rated r it comes in at a perfect Perfect 90 minutes. Uh, it was made in the United States, mostly in Los Angeles. It was released on September 19th of 1997. Uh, it was given a budget of $5 million and grossed around $16 million. A lot of money. Yeah. Wishmaster, the first in a quadrilogy. Yes, oh, you heard wow. me correctly. There are four Wishmaster movies. We started the fourth one last night just to see what it was like. And it oh was uh, diminishing returns. I, um, bet. But, I bet. Uh, Wishmaster, Maddie, tell me about your experience. Uh, was this your first time watch? What are your thoughts on the one and only Jin, the uh, Wishmaster? Not, not my first time watch, but I haven't watched this since probably 1997 right sure um uh, wishmaster um you know when it's 90s west craven oh yeah it's, i should mention that this is a west craven presents yeah i should have put that in the credits um when it's 90s west craven it's really 90s west craven and this might be the most 90s west craven of the 90s that there has ever West been <laughs> um from from the way it's shot to the music to the this to the that it's a lot um trigger no, warning for anyone that's trying to quit smoking don't watch don't, this movie because <laughs> it's literally everywhere um look wishmaster is a very fun movie i will grant it that and you know i'm looking at my my rating and i rated it too low i'll give it up bump up because because it is fun i was gonna talk you up it's fine <laughs> it's it's it is fun now that being said there's a lot of problems with the movie. Um, and a lot of it for me, honestly, is just that the mechanics don't always work. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And what, it, what, it, what I mean by this is 
like Andrew explained in the thing, it's a gin. You know, if you if you don't know what a gin is, just think of a genie, basically, right? Um, and the gin grants you wishes. And the the way that this works is that the gin the gin will give you three wishes. And listen, you're going to wish for something. You ain't going to get what you want. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I'm going to say I wish for a donut and he's going to be like, OK, you're then, a donut now. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm going to be turned into a jelly donut. I'm going to have like 85 mice eating me for the rest of my life. Do you, you know what I mean? I have it written down the uh, the uh, beforehand that goes on the screen. If you would like me to read that uh, to kind of breathe life into what. The yeah, sure. Go, yeah, go ahead. Do it. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, it reads, Once in a time before time, God breathed life into the universe, and light gave birth to the angels, and the earth gave birth to man, and five, and, and sorry, and the fire gave birth to the jinn, creatures condemned to dwell in the void between worlds. And that is written, or I'm sorry, lit, uh, Spoken to uh, fruition by the one and only tall man, Angus Scrim, from uh, the, uh, the, the the other horror movies that I'm forgetting the name of right now. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that, that gives you a good explanation of, you know, what's, uh, what's going on here. Um, so just to kind of like, you know, zip it forward and just like kind of talk about the thing is... Um, there, there's one part in the movie, like, like once again, the, the jinn by, by his own admission, he can't do anything unless you wish for something, right? Yeah. He's powerless. And, yeah. He says, you know, he, there's a, a moment where he says in the midst of something, um, you know, do you, do you have any idea how frustrating it is to be all powerful, uh, infinite but, power? Yeah. But not be able to do anything unless some, you know, Cretan insect asked me for it, but that's not necessarily how it always works. That, that, you well, know, part of it is you just have to like agree with him. It's not even like you have to wish it. You just kind of have to be like, oh, yeah, yeah I see your point. <laughs> like, right. So, so like the mechanics don't always work, but you know, I mean, whatever. It's fucking, it's Wishmaster. Who cares? Um, uh, yeah. You know, the, what I, what I, here's the things that I do like about the movie. I do like the beginning of it. I like when they're in Persia. And I believe that's a wild man. Yeah. I, I believe that the king is Zoroaster. I think I think that's the king that they're dealing with here. And so Zoroaster um has has the jinn. And I, I think that the first wish that he makes, or maybe the second wish is like, show me wonders. And then uh -huh. like, fucking like listen. Hell like, breaks people, loose. people turn into lizards. There's a skeleton that starts walking around. The skeleton is also very cool. It's, I think it's I'm one sorry, of the but when that movie. man's when that man's skin melts off of his bones yeah. and the skeleton rises out of him, there are some fucking awesome creature work in this movie. Yeah. And there's also some really bad CGI in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you on this. And honestly, the I even wrote down the skeleton. Like the skeleton is is my favorite part of the movie. I thought it was so well done. Um but like there's uh so in, in the in the course of it or maybe no zoroaster was the sorcerer fuck i can't remember anyways in in the midst of it like you know the jinn is with the king he's like trying to get him to, to do the third wish and like the sorcerer comes in and it's like king your majesty don't do it or this will happen blah 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 and then he takes out the gem and you know in the beginning very beginning of the movie like there's a gem being formed you don't really the know opal. what for the opal yeah this is the opal and then, like, the guy, like, the sorcerer, like, says, he says, Neeb Shagarath Bahim. And, you know, he says it enough times that the, you know, the thing fucking captures. That it works. <laughs> yeah. So um, that happens. And the only thing that I wrote down from that part was, why didn't he just do that earlier? <laughs> you know what? Like, I don't know what he was waiting for. 
Um, so the only I really, thing that I can the only thing that I can uh, liken to that is that maybe uh, because the Jin can take the form of anyone that he takes the face from, is that maybe he was a seen as like a trusted. Uh, yeah, that's true. What do you call it? Like a uh, like a Jafar type character that was kind of like speaking into the uh, the 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 guy's ear and trying to get him to wish and oh, that makes me think of aladdin and fucking i know aladdin was so hot Fuck. <laughs> you can't you can't have crushes on cartoons yeah but i but i but yet i do andrew i know fucking, prince eric was, whatever prince eric was hot aladdin was hot i'll tell you in the game that i have for nintendo switch hades zagreus the main character is fucking smoking and i don't know why i think these things but i do um so yeah i really like the the opening of the movie that that's a lot of fun but like i'm also into historical stuff so that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. um it zips forward to america today um but not really today um it's like more like america in 1997 yeah. um, because <laughs> they only have star Trek phones um they have bell, bell south <laughs> Bells, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and so um, you, we we are on a dock, and Robert England is there. Oh my god, Robert England in this movie is just ridiculous. The uh, amount of Jesus. bread that is in this movie is insane. Yeah, it's um, it's it's insane. And so they're waiting for the delivery of a statue. It's the uh, the ancient statue of Ahura Mazda, who is the pre-Islamic god. Um, and in the midst of getting the statue. Um, the guy that's running the crane and just like total nineties archetype dock worker kind of dude, he's drunk and he spills his coffee on the crane and he's smoking a cigar and, Oh God, I can't believe what I done. Oh fuck. And then the crate drops on Robert England's, um, assistant played by Sam Raimi (laughs) by Sam Raimi. I forgot to say that too. Um, so that's funny. Um, and it opens up and it breaks and there's a, there's the opal sticking out. So one of the dock workers takes it. Um, that, I mean, that's just sort of like where the, where the thing goes. I, I think you, you, you know, look, most of you have already seen this. You, you know what happens. The, the opal gets opened, the gin comes out and then starts to wreak havoc upon the world. Um, looking specifically for, uh, what's her name? Tammy Loren. Alexandra. Alexandra. Um, and you know, it just kind of goes on from there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, look, it's a, it's a fun movie. There, there's a lot of like little bits that I really love too. Like, I mean, like, look, it's got Tony Todd, it's got Robert England, it's got fucking Kane Hodder. Did you um, know that there, uh, when he first comes to life, uh, and Josh, her friend's own boyfriend, yeah. uh, it, he's crawling towards him as like a, a, a an infant, uh, yeah. gin, if you yeah. will. Do you know who that, do you know who that is? No. That's Vern Troyer. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Mini Me himself plays the uh, Mini Me of also the now, Wishmaster. <laughs> I do want to say this: I don't like how the creature is done for the gin. Oh, let, interesting. Let me tell you why: the tubes that come out of his head that kind of constantly twitch. I don't like that, and here's why. <laughs> here's why I don't like that because it doesn't feel like the right thing for a gin. Every time that I see it. Or that kind of thing. It makes me think of Predator. It makes me think of oh, I see aliens. That, yeah. Do you see what I mean? It's like, it's like a space creature, not like a earthly or ancient. It, it doesn't feel right to me. Do you know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. So like that was one thing that kind of drove me nuts. And I guess I just didn't think about that until I'm, you know, 39 years old and a picky old man. Uh, but when I saw the, the tubes at the back of his head, I was like, what the fuck them tubes for? What is it fucking like? For, is he on a space fucking ship? 
I just think it's hilarious that they like twitch the entire movie. Yeah, they do. Listen, they're they're probably twitching because of the dumb lines he fucking says. Um, I love the wish ridiculous. The the best line is, and you know what I always say: if you can't beat them, burn them, baby. (laughs) What? What the hell, Jin? Saying a fucking line from Terminator. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what it is. Anyways, that's a little bit of of what I'm thinking. Tell me about. Tell me about you. So Wishmaster, uh, this is definitely a guilty pleasure for me. I think this movie is so fun. I could watch it any day, uh, any time, and have fun with it. Um, I think that the Wishmaster for me is right up there with Chucky with the one-liners. Uh, and this probably has one of my favorite scenes in a movie in my entire life uh, where the security guard and the wishmaster are talking and the wishmaster wants to get into the uh appraise what do you, what do you call that the uh auction house there we go uh, yeah. he wants yeah auction he wants to get in, whatever he, he wants to get into the auction house and he's like i need to get in and the security guard's like no you can't come in like we're closed blah 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 and the wishmaster says something along the lines of like what do you wish for? And they basically the, the security guard goes, I really wish you would just go away. And up, no. up, against, his, up against his infinite power, he's just like, no, no. no. And has to turn away and walk away. With that it. part just, is genuinely hilarious. It cracks my shit up. And then he makes a mistake of being like, and if you are going to do anything, I'd like to see you try to get yeah. through me or whatever. And he turns him into a glass. <laughs> Um, I think the kills are very inventive in this movie. Uh, I I think that the, the party scene at both the beginning and the end are Jesus both super gruesome Christ. and crazy and over you know, the top. You know, Bob, you can just see right through me. Yeah, it just turns into glass and breaks apart. <laughs> um, I There's definitely some parts in this that are gruesome. I'm definitely thinking of a part that I did not remember this time around where um, uh, the cop basically wishes that this uh, one convict that's kind of been slippery with them would kind of get caught in his act finally. And so he like the Wishmaster makes him pick up a gun and start firing on. All oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there is a part where at the very end he rips the jaw off of one oh, of the yeah. cops. And that, I was like, that was, that Holy was shit. <laughs> like some of the and you know, we shouldn't be surprised because this is Greg Nicotero. So yeah, this right. is uh Walking Dead. This is all of his all of his stuff. And that's where I'm like, is this just like Wes Craven's like greatest hits? Because we got Candyman, we got Freddy Krueger, we got the tall man, we got Jason, we got Greg Nicotero. Harry Manfredini does yeah, the score. Yeah. Um it's just kind of insane that and, the uh and, people it, he put together and there's there's little bits of horror stuff kind of all over the place too right oh like, yeah, you know, yeah, if, yeah if you look it, um in robert england's character is uh whatever beaumont he the rich guy that has the big house and all the statues um and if when when she when he takes alex in there for the first time you see a statue of who pazuzu what mm. else do you see you see a bust of nero and you see some other things that um, that uh, Reagan says she is possessed by in The Exorcist. So yeah. That, I mean, like those little bits for horror fans like us, like you see that, like you see Pazuzu, you know what the fuck that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also will point out that in a random cameo, Jack the Ripper shows up towards the end. Oh, yeah. That, that, now that, I will say that made no sense to me. Like, where did No, that is from? one part that does not make sense because he's not in the, there's no like lifetime statue of Jack I the Ripper. I was like, maybe he had a wax figure of him or something. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, but ultimately what happens is uh, Alexandra is on the run. Um, she, uh, One of my favorite characters is the folklorist uh, who she goes to see at the college who kind of explains what the Jin is. I don't know who that actress is, but I know she's from a ton it's of stuff. Jenny O'Hara. And uh, she's awesome. Um, she's, she's fucking incredible. I love her. And she's kind of like a weird standout in this film because these are, for the most part, except for maybe our main girl, these are kind of more creature guys than like actors. So like, they're not like the, the acting in a normal sense is not like their first forte. You know, we're thinking of the Kane Harder, the Freddy Kruegers are used right, to doing right, like right. their thing. But like when she comes on screen, you're like, oh, hello, actor. <laughs> like I can see you now. Um, and I love that whole moment where she's in the apartment um, she's been taken over by the by the wishmaster, and he, she keeps asking, like, "Oh, do you want me to turn the heat down? Uh, hey, oh, do you yeah, want me to, right. do, you, do you want a glass of water?" And you're like, "Wow, you could. This is very." And I paid very close attention to how Alexandra reacts because I was like, "Is there any moment where she fucked up?" But they they stay true to that. Nope, they that stay moment. true. Yeah. Um, I I just think that this movie is so easy breezy. It's so just. I don't know. You don't have to think about it too much. And if you do think about it too much, then you're going to probably hate it. But uh, yeah, look, I'll, um, I'll be honest. I thought about it too much. Um, I think that I thought it was funny that the Wishmaster, they focus a lot on his butt when he first is like birthed. Yeah. And it was, like, it was I know. I saw that too. I was like, I'm not, then didn't know that Jen even had an ass. Well, what's he need an ass for? I know. Um, I, and there is a really weird moment where, so Alexandra and her sister survived a fire in one part of their lives. It's not kind of told whether they were kids or, you know, but they were in a family. So they had a mother and father that died in a fire. As she's telling this story, she's sitting in front of a burning fire place. And um, then when she wakes up from her nightmare right after, uh, she is burning candles while she sleeps. So <laughs> it's like, girl, you're asking. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, I will say that that's another thing about, about the film that is kind of a little bit here and there, right? Is that there's so so much is going on in this movie. There's a lot and, of set dressing. Yeah. Oh my God. It bounces. It bounces here and there and everywhere. Like suddenly you're playing tennis. Suddenly you're at a lab. Suddenly you're here. So I'm like, oh my God, my head is, is spinning. I did not. Um, when I remember when I first watched this, I was kind of surprised they killed off Josh so early. Yeah, seriously. Um, her kind of like love interest, um, who she kind of has put in the friend zone. Um, at first, at first, because I haven't watched this in a while, I thought maybe he was coded as gay, but then it's very quickly yeah. turned on its head that he kind of has like a lust for her. But um, I think it would be interesting if they just kind of coded him as gay, but that's fine. We can believe um, it. It's okay if we do. Um. I thought it was funny that when he goes to, so basically he takes the form of this uh, body. The he goes to the the school of medicine and kind of gets a face off of one of the. What do you call a body? Why am I blinking on that? Like a body f- that's in a morgue. A uh, corpse. Yeah, a corpse. Um, and he takes the face of that guy and then immediately goes to structure, which for people of the uh, kids of the '90s will remember this was the uh, the only male store. Oh my god, <laughs> structure was the coolest store in the world. And the only reason I know it's structure is because they had those columns behind the cash register. Yep. And so uh-huh. I knew exactly what it was. Structure was owned by Express, remember? Yeah. And then it became Express Men and then it uh-huh. just all became Express. Um, but uh, I thought it was funny when I was thinking about because they show him like kind of in like this tailored, of course, oversized 90s suit because that's huge. the time we're in. Um, and she's like, oh, do you want something a little tighter? And he's like, no, this is good. And um, I thought it was funny because I was like, well, what did he walk in there wearing? Because... <laughs> now he maybe clothes, uh, so. maybe he walked and walked in there wearing nothing you know just like terminator style 
I will say in that moment, I did have a slight moment where I was like, is the Wishmaster sexy? I don't know. I doubt you had that moment, but I, I, I did not. I did yeah. as you might as you might guess, I did not have that moment. No. I don't know. My type, whatever. Uh I, I just think that uh there's a lot of fun moments in this. I think that <laughs> <laughs> but the interactions between our, our protagonist Alexandra and the Wishmaster are kind of hilarious. She has lines like "You lying sack of shit," I and know. when she he, so the Wishmaster calls her on the phone at one point in the movie, and she literally just picks up the phone and goes "Fuck you!" <laughs> I <laughs> and she slams it down, which is just ridiculous. Her, her 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 random nightmares and screams are also pretty pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I I really like Tammy Loren, but um, her reaction to the visions is not the best i'll be honest yeah um, did you know that jack shoulder was uh, approached about this film oh great yeah, well, good old jack um and declined um when it came to the sequel though he got asked to direct that he also turned it down but the producers told him that he could write the screenplay for <laughs> wishmaster 2 evil never dies um so uh i believe he did direct that he agreed to um, I have not seen any of the sequels. I think that you have. Yeah, I've definitely seen all of them at one point. Ugh, what I, what I, I remember number two. I do not remember number three at all. And we started number four last night, so it's kind of fresh in my brain. But yeah. Um, so ultimately, at the end of the movie, she wishes that the guy would, the guy that was controlling the uh, forklift or whatever you want to call yep. that piece uh-huh. of machinery, wouldn't have been drinking that day. And so he successfully delivers this the uh statue and all she, is well she in beat the, world. the gin at his own game is what she did i thought it was an interesting way of kind of yeah i mean it's smart him. yeah i did think that was funny though when she was like i wish you would blow your brains out and then he just does <laughs> he's like actually that you can't destroy me it's fine but <laughs> but it hurt like hell <laughs> but yeah i don't know this movie's just fun for me i think that it's slow uh, let's just go to our let's go to our scores and our final thoughts yeah. um i I said, I just wish this would have been a better film. Um, but look, it was fun. Like I like I've said throughout this, I give it a three and a half for me. Okay, uh, I gave it a five. Uh, the, it's if for pure like my enjoyment of the movie. That's not to say it's like a five quality movie, but that's my enjoyment. And I said, this is so nineties. Is it slocky? Yes. It, but is it also breezy, easy, and just plain fun with tons of inventive kills and cheeky moments with the one and only Wishmaster? Yes. Easy, so. breezy, beautiful cover girl. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of the discussion on the Wishmaster. And we will be right back with our thoughts on our second movie, The Cleanse. Are you searching for something? Wish you could restart. Well, now you can. Okay, everybody. Who's ready to change their lives today? Join us. Welcome. As you try a brand new program and face your demons today. Come on, let it out. What? Out. Ah! Ah! Mm. Thank you so much. Now, your cleansing kit. Each kit contains four drinks that you must consume by the end of the day. 
The next stage will be the elimination process. Question, when you say elimination process, you, you, you mean like... <laughs> yes, Harry. The cleanse you drank has expelled all the negativity from your life. Put it into what you see before you. Something came out of me. That's perfectly normal. What am I supposed to do? What the hell is that? You haven't seen your... I know this can be a scary process. You wouldn't believe what came out of me. Don't you want to get better? It was smaller at first. Once you finish this, will be a beautiful thing. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for our second movie in our Pop Psychology is Terrifying episode. And this movie is called The Cleanse. Maddie, tell us all about it. The Cleanse. We all have our demons. The Cleanse is the story of a heartbroken man who attends a spiritual retreat only to discover that the course releases more than everyday toxins and traumatic experiences. The Cleanse was written by Bobby Miller, also written by Bobby Miller, uh, produced by Alcide Baba Pictures, distributed by WME Global. Paul is played by Johnny Galecki. Remember Roseanne? Maggie is played by Anna Friel. Eric by Kyle Gallner. Uh, Lori by uh, Bly. Lori by Diana Bang. Lily by uh, none other than Angelica Houston. Bless God. Oh. Ken Roberts by Oliver Platt and Fredericks by Kevin J. O'Connor. Remember him from The Mummy? Um, this film was rated R. It is oh, 81. That's what he's from. Damn it. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, Benny. Uh, 81 minutes. Oh, is that lovely. Uh, Canada. And uh, filmed in Vancouver. Uh, released on May 4th, 2018. No budget information available. Um, the Cleanse. Um, yeah. Andrew. Tell me what you thought about The Cleanse. Uh, well, I will challenge that 81 minutes because 10 minutes of that is credits. So it's really only fair enough. Fair enough. Minutes. Uh, listen, I had never seen this movie before. Uh, I hadn't even heard of it. So when you brought it up, I kind of looked it up. I didn't watch any previews. I just kind of went into it blind. I think it's a fine movie. Um, it has something, it has something to say. I think what I will take away from it and we can get into kind of parts of the movie and like what's it about and everything but this just my opinion is that it felt like a incomplete sentence to me um it felt like this was an idea that they didn't quite have like a logical conclusion to yeah. that i don't know i just it, it it'll reflect in my score and will reflect in my main takeaway it just felt like it didn't end it kind of just was like oh that's it i don't know yeah no listen, i'm just gonna break in right there and say that while i i really really like this movie I totally agree with you. Um, and there's, there's actually, I'm just going to read this really quick and then I'll, I'll let you go right back to it. But I think this, this is, if this is interesting is um, in the New York times um, uh, review of it from 2018. Um, there is a moment, wait, where is it here? Uh, blah, 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 blah. He leaves Oliver Platt and Angelica Houston as the retreat leaders bafflingly in the background at right. the end of the movie. And so I, like I said, I totally agree with you. It is definitely like, that it ends in a weird way. It's it's disappointing at the end. Yeah. Everything else in it I really liked, but I'm, I'm going to let you go back to yours. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's kind of like my main takeaway from the film. I think it's actually like very well done as far as like shot and like how it looks. It's, it's definitely... 
you can tell it's Canadian. I don't know how I kind of put that into words or whatever, but like maybe the just, style of it. Yeah. Yeah. Style? Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I, I can see why people would really like this movie. I think the creature effects are really good. Um, but overall it just felt me a little, I felt a little let down at the end of it, if I'm yeah. being honest. And I think some of the, uh, biggest talent is a little bit wasted with, um, Angelica Houston and Oliver Platt. They're oh, barely in doubt. it. Um, when they're in it, they, they are the highlight of it. And I think that if they let them breathe a little bit more, it could have been a little more interesting. Uh, we can talk about distinct parts of the movie, but I want to hear what you thought overall about. Yeah, sure. 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 I mean, yeah, I, I like it. I, I, I watched this randomly, um, a few months ago, uh, on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's on Netflix, which is how I watched it again. Um, and that is actually where I got the idea for the episode. I was like, oh, we could do a, a movie kind of, oh, not a movie, we could do an episode about this, this kind of stuff. That I think that, that might work pretty well. Um, and, you know, when I first watched it, I, 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 I quite liked it, you know, as um, uh, somebody who really uh, believes in, in therapy and, and has gone to many different therapists. And, you know, I just happened to have a really, really good one for my, for my, my previous one in Chicago. Um, I, I think what gets me about the movie is, you know, as somebody who has experienced trauma and as somebody who has dealt with it in their lives and is continuing to deal with that, this movie speaks in a very interesting way about that through the horror medium. Um, and it's never really been done that way before. Like the, like basically the, the, the basic rundown is this, you've, you've already heard it in, in the plot, but when they go to this retreat, um, there's not very many of them there. Also, Four. I just want to say this, Andrew, real quick. In case any of you, I don't know if you can hear this, Andrew, but there are dogs next door to me in this apartment, right? I can't hear them, so I think you're good. You can't, but I'm just going to tell you this then anyway, just for fun, right? These dogs, and look, I like dogs. You know this, Andrew. I love your dog. You know this about me. Um, My dog's very quiet, though. (laughs) These dogs next door, you have no idea how, when they bark, it sounds like they're being killed. It's... It's it's terrifying. Anyways, back to the story. Um, they go there's yeah, there's four of them. They go to this retreat, blah, 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 blah. They are given a cleanse to do. It's a juice cleanse. The cleanse induces vomiting and diarrhea, from what we understand. And eventually enough vomiting that you vomit up a little creature. And this little creature is a little cute creature that has like big, kind of googly eyes. I mean, it's ugly, but it's cute, right? And like it's, you know, like it's it's pink for the girls and it's blue for the boys. And it has a couple of like little hands and, you know, like it makes some little cooing sounds. Very gremlins-y. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a lovable, ugly thing. And eventually it grows and grows and grows. Now, look, you don't have to be a Freudian here to get to get what this is, right? It is it is them vomiting up their negativity and their trauma. And at some point in the retreat, the the many steps that you go through. Um, one of the steps is to look at this thing that you have become attached to and kill it. But at, at, when, it, when it comes to that point, the, the characters that we've met in the film, namely Johnny Galecki and uh, what's her face? What's her face? What's her name? Maggie. Anna Friel. Uh, yeah. Paul, Paul and Maggie. Uh, when Paul and Maggie are brought into the woods to do it, they can't do it. And why can't they do it? Well, because, of, like I said, they've become attached to it. And so, we, you know, let, let's just de-therapize that and make it easy to understand we all hold on to our trauma. We all hold on to the things that have happened to us in our lives because that's what we base our narrative on, right? So it's look that that, that, that took a long time to explain something that that's pretty simple when you watch it, of course. But that that's what the that's what the um, you know that's what the cooking is doing here, right? And it's a pretty easy dish to eat. 
Um, and it tastes it tastes pretty good until, like Andrew said, the end. I will grant as much as I like this film, the end doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, Bobby Miller, the filmmaker, um, don't know a lot about Bobby Miller. Looked him up just briefly, you know, while getting ready for the episode. New filmmaker for sure. Um, this is only this was his first feature, and I think he's only got one other. And there were two shorts that he made before this, at least according to uh-huh. his website. So that that's all that I know. So and also, I I I tried to find out more about this, but I couldn't. Uh, somebody said that this is part two of his trilogy of tears. Now I can't tell you what the other two parts are because huh. I, I I can't find them. So, uh, uh, Bobby, if you ever hear this. You need to redo your website, my friend, because I don't know what the trilogy of tears is or even if it's even a thing. Now, that being said, if there are two other films, I would love to see them because maybe there is a thread here that we're missing. That is maybe. entirely possible. Yeah. And there might be a bookend that might alleviate the lack of a bookend at this film. That is that is entirely possible. And I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, I think that uh, I look, I Johnny Galecki, how can you not? love Johnny Galecki in one way or another. I mean, what was his yeah. name on Roseanne? What was his name? Oh, God, I haven't watched Roseanne in so God, long. I, I don't remember. Everyone loves Roseanne, though. Um, uh, you know, I, I think Anna Friel does a great job. I think Kyle Gallner is really cute. I hate that I think that. Um, Angelica Houston and that's Oliver your, That's your uh, Indiana talking. I'm just letting yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You, you, listen, we've talked about this before on, on a deep, dark night. Um, Angelica Houston can do no wrong. I'm sorry. Like, that's just, that's just the way it, it is if you don't agree. I don't know what to tell you. Oliver Platt is actually pretty good in this too. I, th- I think he's 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 good as the leader of the retreat, the sort of psychologist that's making it all happen. It was and funny like, though. I thought that it was going to be a bigger reveal because they kind of keep him um, secret like through the entire thing. Like they're like, oh yeah, he's coming. Don't worry, he's coming. It's totally they, normal. They like even like when he first comes, they even do like a shot of just his feet. So I was like, oh, is this going to be fucking like Sean Connery or something? Nope. Like who is like, the, and then it's just Oliver Platt. And I was like, oh, and, okay, and I guess. It, it, it's Oliver Platt in like dad shoes. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, like a like, yeah. <laughs> leisure suit. Yeah. They're like, he's like wearing Keens and like, you know, walking up to this cabin. Um, and, you know, Kevin J. O'Connor is Frederick. I mean, Kevin J. O'Connor just always plays himself essentially. But I do think that he, he actually plays Fredericks, who's sort of like the, the steward of the camp, I guess. Yeah. I wrote down um, literally in my notes, I said, this actor Fredericks, and this before <laughs> you said it was Benny, because I totally yeah. did not put that together until you said it. I said, this actor Fredericks always plays an Igor type character. Yeah. But but I, I I think in this one there's actually some more dimension to him um, because what what happens with Fredericks is that he actually was a participant in the program, and he also could not kill his creature. Mm-hmm. So his his creature has grown enormous and very angry, and you know and violent. It it, it beats him all the time, but he still can't do it. Um, and uh, there the, the, you know it gets a little bit more emotional as you watch that occur with him, and ultimately um, ends up killing him, and and it, and it kills him. Um, so, you know, and that's, that's just, that's just it. Um, you know, there, there are bits and pieces of moments in, in the film that I, that I think are, are done, you know, pretty well. Um, I think, um, you know, some of the, maybe like the pseudo love interest possibly between Paul and Maggie, it maybe isn't explored in the most sophisticated of ways when it comes to writing, I would say. I just don't think that they have good, um, chemistry chemistry between, I don't think like they, I mean, uh romantic chemistry I, I mean say. who who Johnny Galecki got chemistry with uh who did he have except, except for Darlene yeah it was like Darlene 
that then that that's literally it. So I mean, like, I I think I think John is a good actor. I just I just I think he's a he's a tough one to find a pairing for. Um, and I think you got to be careful with Johnny Galecki sometimes. And this is going to be controversial. What I'm going to say, but you got to be careful because sometimes he reads as gay. He just does. And so like you got to kind of watch it. And like I don't think that they. I think that the first scene, for example, um, when he's in the bar, they didn't go deep enough on that. Oh my gosh, that part annoyed me so much. It was, because it was I, too fast. I hate when people comment on my food. It's a very weird um, thing that I don't like. I, Fair I enough. When people are like, ooh, that looks good. Or like, oh, you ordered the hot dog? Or like, what? I'm just like, can you shut the fuck up about my food? Like, stop talking to me about it. <laughs> like, I always I've get like... like when I've actually like, never known this about you. That's I didn't know that. I used to have a coworker. I'm not going to name names, but... I, you know, we were in a cubicle situation and every time I would heat up my lunch and bring it back to my desk, it would always be some comment. It was never like, oh, "Oh, that smells bad. Or it was just like, oh, smells good having chicken today or like whatever. And it was just like annoyed the shit out of me. But I remember I remember I I had a coworker once who like would would do kind of the same thing for me. I remember one day I made toast in the office um, because I was doing that then. I was a weirdo um, with like peanut butter and jelly. And she's like, oh, eating healthy today. And I was like, it's toast. It's bread, it's bread with, with sugar on it. Like it's not healthy. And I walked away. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I no, no, no. I, I, it's just an offshoot of what you were talking about. But I, I think overall in this movie, I just don't they they lead with so many ideas that they never come full circle on. So yeah, like let's go you. back, let's go back to the main idea. The main idea is that you take this juice cleanse and it cleanses you of all your toxins and all of your negative energy and it creates this creature. Right. However, when they throw up the creature, nothing changes with these characters. Like they don't yeah. all of a sudden feel better. They don't all of a sudden feel like a weight is lifted off their shoulder because they have to kill it. Like even well, even at the end when they kill it, they're still fucking crying and not feeling better. So I don't really understand like what the yeah. point of the cleanse is, if I'm being honest, other than attaching yourself to another living creature. They even say it in the movie. Uh, he says, it isn't that strange, is it? I mean, they came out of us. They're made of us. And I was like, actually, it's really fucking strange because it's a creature yeah. that came out of you. Um, it's just, and then you learn later on that um, her big tragedy, and this is what I, where I really feel the movie needs to explain itself a little bit more, is that we don't truly understand what their yeah, I know. negativity stems from. Like, we yeah. know that he's been broken up with, but we never learn about their relationship. We know that she suffers from body dysphoria, but it's never really explained. All we get is one scene where she's kind of punching her stomach in frustration. And yeah, agreed. I don't know. It just, there's a good idea here. And I really do say that with like a, a good, like a frame of mind. I think that I love the let's get peer.com. I love the whole infomercial. I think that when they go to the meeting, I've been to a meeting like that where they're trying yeah, to sure. sell me a timeshare. Um, but there's like really good comedic moments, like where he's on the phone accepting the invitation and there's like a rat in the rat trap and the people are having sex upstairs. And there's just like a really good moments. But overall for me, like the film doesn't, explain itself to me enough yeah. to where I get like a very satisfying watch from it. And I'm disappointed by that because going into it and watching like the first, I don't know, third of the movie, I was like, Ooh, we're in for something real good here. Yeah, sure. But then it kind of just doesn't do anything with its bigger idea. And I think that's kind of where I fall apart. But some, some things about this, uh, Chloe Sevigny was originally supposed to play Maggie. And I think that if she had, it would have been a lot better. I can see um, that actually because I I I don't know a lot about Anna Friel or unless I do I'm just forgetting it because I've got I've got fever head right now. She but, was a little flat for me if I'm being honest. Yeah, well that that's what I mean. I I think that Chloe Sevigny there's sort of no denying her on the screen. So 
I, I think that she would have added something to that role that Anna Friel just did not have. Um, and I mean, listen, listen to me talk about this. And I like the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, also, it was nominated for three Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, Best First Film, Best Screenplay, and Best Creature. And I think it might have won Best First Film. I can't quite recall. Um, it was also- uh, I'm going to challenge that screenplay thing because there is literally a, a <laughs> there is an exchange between him and Anna Friel. Where they basically say, he goes, well, you could ask me about what I used to do for a job. And then she asks him and then he says, oh, let's not talk about my old job. And I'm just like, what, yeah, is, I know, what I know, is going I know. on? It was, in, it was also on Rotten Tomatoes, top 10 best reviewed horror films of 2018. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think we need to beat the dead horse here. I think that... Uh, I think a couple of things. I, I think that I think that we're both right with everything that we've said here, and I think that um, I think that uh, what's his name, Bobby Miller, showed some great. Uh, There's promise? some starting some some great things here. Yeah, yeah, some great promise with this. It just I think that you're right in that it feels a little unfinished. Um, I I think you know the New York Times article got it right with the word that they use. It's kind of baffling at the end. Like, well, why didn't you? Like, why are you doing that? Um, and I I I hope that Bobby Miller makes more move, more makes more movies. Um, and I would, I would love to see like, once again, if, if anyone knows about the trilogy of tears, please let me know. Cause I couldn't find anything on it that was like substantial. So if you know what it is, I, I, I would love to watch the other two. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. So Andrew, what did you rate the movie and tell us a little bit more about it? My final thought was, um, although a striking idea and shot very well, the wonky dialogue and lack of resolution just leaves me wanting. Um, this ultimately just feels like a short film idea that, was com- that wasn't completely thought out to be an entire feature-length film at this point, given the script that it has. I gave it a 3.5. I think it's an average movie. I, ha- I had fun with parts of it, but I also was very frustrated by other parts of it. Makes sense. I dropped mine a little bit. I, I gave it a four and a half just because I just thought it was really inventive. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And I said it's also creative and also subtly disturbing. And, you know, it, it, I, I said this earlier, but it really did leave me thinking about, boy, you're you're attached to a lot of that stuff that you just won't, you know, kill it and, and let it go away. You know, and, and that's I think that was actually that was an effective. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, sure. It actually made me think about like, oh, what if you did just kind of kill that creature that you. I mean, that's that's why movies are so great, because it hits different people in different ways. And it exactly and it maybe it hit you in a different way than it hit me. And that's why we don't ever shame anyone for giving any sort of score or having any sort of critique of a movie, because it hits everybody differently based on your trauma, based on your life, based on everything that you've consumed. The only the, the exception to the rule is if you're if you don't like hereditary and if you think Tony Collette is bad. Then, or if you think that Demon House is a good movie. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I am on. Yeah. So that's it. Straight from here. Um, folks, that, that's that's it for this film. We'll be right back uh, with our final game. Andrew, what is it called? It is called Myth or Science. Myth or Science. Man, episode 72. It's been it's episode, yeah it's seventy two yes it is uh yes. what a what a ride Andrew I have I've got a wish and it's for you to tell me a little bit more about the game that we're about to play yes I have a game for you to play it is called Myth or Science I'm going to read four supposed pop psychology facts and I want you to tell me whether you think those are a myth or whether you think that is science. And I will give you the answer. Okay. The first one 
is a very common thing that we hear all about when we're younger. Opposites attract and make better partners. Um, I would probably say science. Actually, that is a myth. Is it really? Yeah. An abundance of research shows that the opposite is true. We are drawn to potential partners who are similar to us. Not only that, but similarly... Uh, similarity is also an indicator of long-term relationship success because people who are similar typically agree on more things and share the same communication preferences. Okay. That's, you know, I, 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 I had thought differently, but that, that makes sense. Okay. What's the next one? The next one is there is no such thing as left or right brained. Uh, I'm going to say that that statement is a myth. That is science. Um, yeah, yeah, I, well, yeah I, I mean that it, that it's science that, that you are left or right-brained. Am I no, wrong? opposite. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Damn. The idea that people have different dominant sides of their brains is completely false. Research shows that everyone uses both sides of their brains equally because though most abilities are based in different regions of the brain, they are able to be carried out by the connections formed between different parts. Based on an individual's lifestyle, it is possible for certain sectors of the brain to become stronger because of the brain has adapted to being used under the same conditions for a prolonged period of time. However, that happens with individual parts, not an entire half of that's interesting okay the next Uh, one two two more to go i'm 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 overdue so far uh the average person only uses 10 percent of their brain science that is a myth god damn Uh, it andrew what the fuck Modern research shows that throughout the day, we use 100% of our brains. The key here is that is throughout the course of the entire day, not all at once. Every part of our brain serves different functions. So while the sections of control that control essential processes such as breathing and our senses are active nonstop, other parts that are responsible for activities such as fear response, problem solving, etc., only activate when necessary. Given this, some people's lifestyles make their brains more active than others, but we all make use of all of our brains okay well not listen not everyone that i know quite frankly no no. what's the last one here give me the last one all right and the last one is men and women actually communicate very similarly myth that is science well well no wait wait hold on oh wait no so it's science that they that they communicate similarly correct so there is no i got got the zero on this test so there is no kind of men are from mars women are from venus i thought that there was so as our culture is becoming more accepting of people who don't conform to gender roles research is research research is finding that men and women aren't as psychologically differently as we may have thought according to an article published by the american psychological association people who tend to communicate and behave according to their gender roles in their environment but when you remove the expectations to communicate in accordance with one's gender role, men and women actually communicate very similarly. Wow. So well, you failed. <laughs> you know what? Listen, sometimes listen, I, I, I'm sick. That's why I failed. <laughs> Everyone knows that. So, Andrew, that concludes episode 72 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Uh, I just want to remind people that we are uh, on the Dread Podcast Network. We're not alone. Um, so you should go listen to some of the other great podcasts on the network. Um, and we've, I think we've got some really great stuff coming up. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Dread, Dread Central has has changed a, a little bit. Um, 
uh, great new editor in chief over there, Mary Beth, um, do, doing some great stuff. So if, if you haven't been to the website lately, I would suggest, you know, checking that out. You know, we've got some great stuff that we're planning for Pride in June. It's going to be uh, really cool that we're both excited for. Um, so Dread Podcast Network is doing some really great stuff. You can also uh, give us a call on the Fry Gay hotline by calling uh, 872-208-3119. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. What One day we will play them, maybe on episode 75, just three episodes away. Yeah, so get your calls in. And if you want to support Friday the 13th from a monetary standpoint, because we don't do this just <laughs> well, we do do it for free, but yeah. uh, it would be helpful if you could help pay a little bit of our uh, necessary bills. So you can do that by going to Friday13.com slash support, where you can either become a patron or buy a T-shirt or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, no new patrons this with this episode, even though it says on our little worksheet that there is. Uh, we already said his name last time. Yeah. Uh, but you can become a patron on, uh, like I said, by going to Friday13.com slash support. Also, you know what? I see, I say this every episode, but I see how many people are listening to this show. I we, see it. We actually do see that. And I know that not all of you have left a review. So if you can leave a review either on Spotify or uh, better yet on Apple Podcasts, uh, that would be really helpful because it helps more. It helps us rise at the top, yeah. if you will, when it comes to recommendations to similar podcasts. So that being said, that brings us to the, episode of, uh, the end of episode 72. And as always, we encourage you to get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.